for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topic Sound Off. And we are going to start with, <laughs> my computer just went off, Jay. We're going to start tonight in our first half hour with um, our Hot Topic, with uh, our preview of, uh, I'm sorry, with the review. Before we get into everything else, we're going to do the review of um, the Winchester race and the race at Colorado National uh, for the Arca Menard Series and Arca West. Then we'll do the preview for the Arca Menard Series at Watkins Glen. So uh, that's all in our first half hour. At the top of the hour, we'll get into the Truck Series uh, preview at Watkins Glen and then the um, okay the pre I'm sorry Jay I'm totally distracted here trying to get my computer back together um, the preview of the top three series at Watkins Glen so uh, that will take us then to hot topic sound off which will start ten o'clock p.m. Eastern Time tonight. So, best laid plans, and my computer goes off right as we go on air. <laughs> well, you know, I've dealt with that before as far as having internet and connection problems, so I'll try and help out as best I can here. As Sharon talked about, we got a bumper-to-bumper, side-by-side packed show for you tonight, covering both that review of the two Arkham and Ard Series pack races from this past weekend previewing Watkins Glen and then moving on to the top three series as they hit that same road course there at by the Finger Lakes in New York. Yes, indeed. And the Olympics uh, are about to be over, so that means that the uh, guys are back to racing now, uh, and it's going to be at the road course at Watkins Glen, uh, which is going to be pretty exciting to watch. Uh, and uh, the Arkham and Art Series race, uh, at Watkins Glen, Jay, they've got quite a few uh, NASCAR drivers that are entered in that event as well. Yeah, I think we're going to see a good, great race there, actually. I believe, if I counted correctly on the entry list, it was 30 drivers. You mentioned several uh, cup guys, Austin Hill, or uh, I'm sorry, top three guys, Austin Hill, Chase Briscoe, two of them that I know off the top of my head. Uh, we'll get to that as we get into the preview, I'm sure. Uh, but those are two I remember right off the top of my head. I think uh, Brandon Jones and Riley Brandon, Hurst might be yep. two more. Yep, yep, there are several, and we will get in that into that when we do the uh, preview. Let's start, though, with the um, uh, review of the ARCA West race that took place at Colorado National Speedway. Joey East earns his first ARCA Menard Series win with that victory for the West Series at Colorado National. Yeah, the East dominates over in the West. Uh, could have wrote an easy headline for that. Great to see we see yet another first-time victory for a driver in these Arkham Menards East and West Series, and that's what we like to see. Tightened up the points a little bit there. Uh, Jesse Love did finish second, though, so didn't gain a whole lot, but all you can do is keep chipping away at it. Yes, indeed. Now, Bill, Bill McAnally uh, 
has uh, done very well at Colorado National Speedway. Uh, BMR drivers have won five of the last seven Arkham Menard Series West races at that track. BMR drivers Jesse Love, Cole Moore, Moore led 126 of 150 laps on the three, I'm sorry, .3 seven-mile paved oval, but neither led any of the last 18. Those laps were controlled by Joey East, the rookie who won his first race on the Arkham Menard Series platform Saturday night in a very convincing fashion by driving the number 54 AG Center 59 Basilla Farm Ford. Well, and after starting ninth, uh, you know, it says he, he had to get used to the track. And for a young driver like that, to show that ability is just phenomenal to do so within such a short race and then come out with that victory. Yeah, he's just 18 years old from Madera, Madera California. Uh, he's competing in both the Arkham Menard Series East and the Arkham Menard Series West this season from Mike Naoki with the backing of David Gilliland Racing. He passed Love on lap 132 at Colorado National and cruised on to his first win in his 14th Arkham Menard Series start dating back to last season. So East Wind now moves him into sixth in the West Series point standing through four of nine races that are scheduled this season. He also says fifth in the East Series points with four top five finishes through six of eight races in that series. We've seen this before when drivers run both series, uh, the amount of experience it gains for them, and I think we're really seeing that with Joey East. I can't wait to see how he does throughout the rest of the season in both series. Definitely so. Uh, the defending West Series champion, Jesse Love, settled for a second-place Colorado National. That run, combined with Todd Souza's seventh-place effort on Saturday night, was enough to give Love, uh, it, to put Love into the championship's point lead uh, in the West Series. He now holds a two-point edge in the standings over Moore, who finished fourth at uh, Colorado, and Souza fell to third in points. So that was uh, quite a hit for uh, Todd Souza. Yeah, but it, when we look at the point standings, and we'll do a top five at least real quick here in a minute, <clears throat> it really didn't shake it up all that much. Now, another one, the Sunrise Ford racing driver, Jake Drew, finished third Saturday night ahead of Moore. Fifth-place finisher was Eric Nazamento, a uh, 20-year-old also from Mantica, Mantica California, um, just making his second Arkham Menard start for the number four RJS paint shop and Skip Crow Welding and Industrial Toyota in that joint effort with Don Wood, Velocity Racing, and Bill McAnally Racing. <clears throat> okay, sorry. DJ Pedro and Sully, Sousa, Jolyn, JoJo Wilkinson, Bridget Burgess, and Trevor Huddleston are the drivers who round out the top 10. Wilkinson is a 17-year-old from Hueytown, Alabama, and he was making, she was making her Arkham Menard Series debut, driving the number 19 Instacote Premium Products Toyota, again for Bill McAnally Racing. Now, the Arkham Menard Series West, they'll return to action on August 21st with a 150-lap race at California's Irwindale Speedway. 
Love won the uh, series first race there this season on the half-mile paved oval back on July 3rd. The series second and final stop at Arendale will be on NBC Sports Gold Track Pass, and we'll preview that in the coming weeks. Now, a delayed showing of uh, last Saturday night's Napa Auto Parts Colorado 150 is going to be broadcast on NBC Sports Network this Wednesday, or this, well, yeah, coming up Wednesday, August the 11th, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. But I always encourage people, check your local listings because uh, there could be regional changes there. Uh, let's go over that top five and the, uh, well, we'll go over the top five, ten in results, and then we'll go over the top five in points. Joey East, we've already mentioned Jesse Love, Jake Drew, Cole Moore, and Eric Nascimento are the top five drivers uh, Saturday night, followed by Pod, Paul, Pedrin Sully Jr., Todd Souza, Joe Lynn Wilkinson, Bridget Burgess, and Trevor Huddleston. So let's go ahead and look at the standings as well. Well, the points still stay really tight. Jesse Love is your points leader with one victory in four races at, let's see, total points is 154. Cole Moore at 152 is two behind. Todd Zuza, who had the points lead early, is now four points back. Dean Thompson and Jake Drew tied in fourth with nine, or at nine points back at 145. And then you got Joey East now with the one victory as well. He's moved up to the sixth spot. It's 14 points out. 15 points out is Paul Pedrinasilli Jr. Trevor Huddleston is 16 back. That's your top is Bridget Burgess at 30 back and Bobby Hillis Jr. at minus 39. I just want to throw in 11th place to Kumakoga at minus 43. Those 11 drivers have made all four starts, and it's only a 43-point gap. Exactly. That's that's amazing. This is this is really uh, gearing up to be a very tight contest. Okay, let's go ahead and move on now to the Arkham Menard Series race. Uh, Ty Gibbs wins a thriller at West at Winchester for the seventh Arkham Menard Series victory this year. He's just had an incredible year. He certainly has, and. I know some people are like, if it's his seventh win, how can it be a thriller? But over the last 60 laps or so circuits of Saturday night's 200-lap race at Winchester Speedway, Ty Gibbs was running second, barely let more than a car length come between himself and Corey Heim. And the race leader had his hands full with the number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota in his rearview mirror. And that situation lasted until lap 198, when Heim, fighting through lap traffic, slowed just enough for Gibbs to get to his rear bumper. And with that, Gibbs turned Heim, and then after an overtime restart, went on to win the Calypso Lemonade 200. Yep, yep. So uh, you got to be able to take what you get this out. So uh, it certainly happened at, at uh, Winchester, and Winchester always puts on a good race. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on here. Um, the 18-year-old Arkham Nard Series points leader now has seven wins this year. The victory Saturday night at the High Bank Half Mile extended his championship standings lead to just seven points over Corey Heim. 
so when he was asked about the incident, which could only think about his first opportunity to potentially exact revenge, uh, Himes, you remember, a few weeks ago uh, said that he raced Gibbs that way because of the way Gibbs had raced him earlier in the race. So uh, now he's looking for his turn to exact revenge. I think this is going to be a for tap for a while. I was going to say, I'm not sure whose turn it is that owes who, but I don't think we've seen the last of it. You're right. (laughs) I I mentioned Gibbs picked up that win despite his involvement in the incident on lap 35 when he damaged his car, making contact and spinning uh, with Brandon Varney. Now, Heim crossed the finish line third behind second-place finisher Greg Van Alst, who also now set a new career high. Yes, with his podium run at his home track. So that's great for uh, Greg Van Alls. Moffitt finished fourth ahead of Taylor Gray, who was in fifth. Uh, the, remaining, the next five drivers were Brandon Barney, Parker Chase, Chris Wright, Tony Breidinger, Tony Costantino, and that's who rounded out the top ten drivers. Now, the kids nope. behind Tussle was an exclamation point to the action-packed Calypso Lemonade 200, the 12th race of the Arkham and Art Series season, and the sixth round of the 2021 Sioux Chief Showdown. Four Gray got into the back of Daniel Dice, sending the rookie's number 21 GMS Racing Chevrolet into the outside wall and eventually into an innocent Nick Sanchez. Dye and Sanchez, both of whom showed race-winning speed at various points on Saturday night, were knocked out of the race by that crash. So that's always disappointing uh, when your day ends early. Well, and I'll tell you this, Die is another one keeping track. He says he passed the 17 clean, and he's got one coming. So we got another set of keeping track of the tit-for-tat there. (laughs) Saturday night's race. Also represented round three of the CGS Imaging Four Crown, which is a four-race series within the Arkham Menard series that celebrates a diverse schedule with four races at four different type of tracks, a super speedway, short track, road course, and dirt track. Now, Gibbs, who had won both the super speedway race at Kansas Speedway in May and the road course at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course in June, has now won all three of the four uh, has won all three of the four crown races that have been contested to date. The final four crown race will be the 100 lapper at the DeCoin State Fairgrounds coming up on September 5th. Now, uh, Gibbs also extends his lead over Heim in the Sioux Chief Showdown standings to 10 points. That's the biggest gap we've seen there. As Heim uh, noted, the Arkham Menard Series will return to action on Saturday, August the 6th, for the Clean Harbors 100 at the Glen. That's this weekend at New York's Watkins Glen International. Sioux Chief Showdown will broadcast live on Fox Sports 1 with a start time of 6 p.m. Eastern time. So watch, uh, watch Corey Heim very closely at that race. <laughs> All right, let me see if we got all of the top ten here. We'll do the rundown. We've talked about Ty Gibbs, Grand Van Alsta second, Corey Heim finishing third, Thad Moffat, then Taylor Gray. I think we did, but mentioned him again. Brandon Varney, 
sixth, Parker Chase seventh, Chris Wright eighth, Tony Brenninger ninth, and Tony Constantino in the tenth position. Okay. We also want to take a look at the standings here uh, for this series. This is the um, Arkham Menard series. So real quick, we'll cover that as well. Uh, Ty Gibbs, as we mentioned, is in the lead, seven points over Corey Heim, followed by Thad Moffat, uh, at 87 points back. So you know that this contest is between those two drivers, Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim. Uh, in fourth place is Nick Sanchez. He's 113 points back. Uh, and in fifth place is Brad Smith at 291 points back. The next five drivers are Drew Dollar, D.L. Wilson, Kyle Sieg, Owen Smith, and Tim Richmond. Uh, now, I will say, from Brad Smith, from Brad Smith, he has only 11 of the 12 races in. Uh, the drivers behind him, Drew Dollar and D.L. Wilson, 8 of 12 races. Kyle Sieg, 7 of the 12 races. Owen Smith, 7 of the 12 races. And Tim Richmond, 7 of the 12 races. So only four drivers have actually raced all 12 of the races in this series. So this really is a contest between those two, top two, Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim. And I've got a feeling we're going to see this kind of go back and forth for a while. Oh, it certainly is. Talking about the seven points difference, the win totals, you mentioned Ty Gibbs having seven of the 12 wins. Corey Heim has four of them, which only leaves one other one, and that went to Daniel Dye. Uh, who's right now in 18th in points, but he only has four of the 12 starts. So that tells you you're right. It, it pretty much is a two-car battle unless those two take each other completely out of a race, which we, we've seen could easily happen. <laughs> it definitely could. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our preview now of the Arkham Menard Series at Watkins Glen. Uh, this is going to be fun because uh, they're going to be racing this weekend at Watkins Glen uh, in the, we just mentioned it, the uh, Clean Harbors 100 at the Glen. They're racing tomorrow night, Friday, August the 6th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be available on Fox Sports 1 as well as the Fox Sports app. And radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM channel 391 and the online channel of 981. This is a 2.45-mile road course. They're going to be racing 41 laps to cover a distance of 100.45 miles. So Friday, August the 6th, they'll have practice and qualifying at 3.15 p.m., the race at 6 p.m., and those times are Eastern time. So uh, a lot to look forward to in this race. Uh, We just mentioned uh, the revenge factor. (laughs) Well, and we also, you mentioned, you see an influx of NASCAR National Series drivers. Now, this is the 13th race of the 2021 Arkham Menard Series coming Friday at Watkins Glen International, which is a speedy 2.45-mile road course set the foot of Seneca Lake in New York but it will not be an ordinary event for the series regulars that are pursuing that championship. Uh, Friday's Clean Harbors 100 at the Glen, which also reps, represents round seven of the Sioux Chief Showdown, 
is part of a weekend quadruple header at Watkins Glen with the NASCAR Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and Camping World Truck Series. So there's going to be several drivers who regularly compete in NASCAR's three national touring series that are entered in Friday's Arkham Menard Series race, attempting to gain experience ahead of the events on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, now, there are tickets that are still available, and uh, if you you want to check that out, because uh, at uh, Arca Menards, at ArcaRacing.com, uh, because this is going to be an exciting race. Again, it will broadcast live on Fox Sports 1 starting at 6 p.m. Eastern, with a live stream also available on the Fox Sports app. The radio broadcast of the Arca Menards Series race will air uh, on MRN and Sirius XM channel 391 and online channel 981. So uh, folks will have a number of ways that they can take in this race. And they're going to see a race loaded with talent for that Friday's Clean Harbor 100. As Again, many of the drivers in the field are not Arkham Menard Series regular. There's a trio of races on Saturday and Sunday. United Rentals 176 for the Truck Series, the Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey 200 uh, for the Xfinity Series, and the Go Bowling at the Glen for the Cup Series. And that's attracted multiple NASCAR National Series regulars to this Arkham Menard Series stage on Friday's event. Almost half of the drivers entered in the Glen uh, Clean Harbors 100 at the Glen are pulling double duty this weekend at Watkins Glen. But there's one that's going for the triple. That's right. Sam Hare, the two-time reigning Arca Menard Series East champion, will run for Brett Holmes Racing in Friday's Arca race. He'll, he then will run both races on Saturday, both the Truck Series race for Brett Holmes Racing and in the Xfinity Series race for Junior Motorsports. Ty Gibbs, the driver Mayor beat last year in the E-Series championship and the current leader in the Arkham Menard Series points, will make his 10th Xfinity Series start on Saturday, driving for Joe Gibbs Racing at Watkins Glen after competing in Friday's Arkham race. Uh, then there's going to be Corey Heim, the driver Gibbs is battling for the Arkham Menard Series title this year, will make his second truck series start on Saturday, driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports at Watkins Glen. So, yes, uh, several drivers. Uh, another one here. Um, well, why don't you cover these next steps? All right. Well, I was going to say, at least Gibbs and Himes are separated between series there with Gibbs running Xfinity <laughs> and uh, Heim running trucks. That's true. Give them, give them a little time apart. <laughs> Uh, Taylor Gray, now he's a regular on the Arkham Menards platform. He's going to make his truck series debut Saturday at Watkins Glen, driving for David Gillen Racing. The other drivers competing in both Friday's Arkham Menards series race and Saturday's truck series race will be Austin Hill, Carson Hosevar, Jack Wood, Austin Wayne Self, and Tyler Ankrum. Now, all but Ankrum have experience on the Arkham Menards platform. Uh, Austin Wayne Self was the runner-up in the 2015 Arkham Menard Series Championship standings. Beyond Mayer and Gibbs, the other drivers competing in Friday's Arkham Menard Series race and Saturday's Xfinity Series race, you got Riley Herbst, Chris Wright, and then Brandon Jones. And all of those have significant Arca experience. 
Okay, but there's one lone driver who will race in both Friday's Arkham and Art Series race and Sunday's Cup Series race, and that is Chase Briscoe. Just as he did in June at the Sonoma Raceway, Briscoe at Watkins Glen will drive the number 14 Huffy Parker Boats Ford for Chad Bryant in the Arca race before piloting his number 14 Ford for Stuart Haas Racing in the Cup Series race. So uh, I believe... You said 30. I thought I counted 29, but uh, there are a, a whole boatload of people uh, that are going to be racing this race. Why don't we go two by two from the bottom? All right. Let me scroll down to the bottom here. All right. Uh, the zero one, that'll be a Michelle Hillenberg or Hillenberg own Toyota DL Wilson, the driver coming out of Mart, Texas, with Trey Galgon as the crew chief. And then the 77 is Dr. Ed Bull coming out of Cape Charles, Virginia. He'll be in a Janet Bull-owned Ford sponsored by Bayside Chiropractic and Ralph, uh, Ralph Solhelm as the crew chief. Okay, and the number 74 uh, Ford for Marie Benevento will be Chris Worth from Rochester, New York, and his crew chief is Ron Otto. Andy Suits, we're used to seeing him behind the wheel. He's going to be the crew chief uh, for the Andy Jutaliak from Tonawanda, New York. He'll be driving the number 73, Philip 66 Chevrolet. All right. Next up in a Bill Kimmel-owned Ford, that's going to be Russ Lane in that number 69 coming to you out of Overland Park, Kansas. Will Kimmel will be the crew chief. And then owner and crew chief Josh Williams going to be in the ear of Brad Perez out of Hollywood, Florida, driving a Chevrolet number 60. Okay, and here we go. Riley Erbst in the number 54 for David Gilliland Racing uh, out of Las Vegas, Nevada. He'll be driving a Ford with Richard Boswell at the top of the pit box. And then also, uh, that's his crew chief that he, he runs with in the uh, Cup Series as well. Uh, in the number 50 is Carson Hosevar from the Truck Series from Portage, Michigan. He'll be driving the Scott's GM Parts Now Chevrolet for Cody Afaw, and Cody will be his crew chief on top of the pit box. Well, you covered a couple of the interlopers. I'll cover a couple of the regulars. Brad Smith in the cell phone number 48 Chevrolet coming out of Shelby Township, Michigan. HIE Publishing as a sponsor. Uh, and that Chevrolet is going to have Leo Krieger as his crew chief. And then regular driver Thad Moffat out of Trinity, North Carolina, in the Clean Harbors 46 Ford, owned by Johnny Gray. He's got Derek Smith in, as his crew chief, as always. Okay, next up are a couple more interlopers. We've got Tyler Ankrum from the Truck Series in the number 42 Chevrolet for Bruce Cook. And uh, he comes from San Bernardino, California. And Amber Slagle is going to be his crew chief. I love it (laughs) when we have a female on top of the fifth. And the number 32 is Austin Wayne Self from Austin, Texas. He'll be driving the Chevrolet for Kevin Zawinski. And Jamie Jones is on top of his fit box. In the number 30, we got the Mark Rett-owned and crew chief Ford with Chris Wright out of Wexford, Pennsylvania for that RGR machine. And then Kyle Sieg with RSS Racing 
And number 28, Chevrolet, owned by the Sieg family. Rod Sieg listed as the owner. Tony Wilson is the crew chief. And Sieg family comes out of Tucker, Georgia. Okay. From Ottawa, Illinois, is Tim Richmond in the number 27 Latino Immigration and Legal Center Toyota. David Richmond is the owner, and Alex Club, another Illinois driver, is his crew chief. In the number 25 is Brandon Jones from Atlanta, Georgia. He'll be driving the Magic Woods Vanities Toyota for Venturini Motorsports, and Kevin Reed is his crew chief. We talked about the Stacy Home-owned machine. The number 23 will be driven by Sam Mara out of Franklin, Wisconsin, with QPS Employment Group. Shane Huffman will be the crew chief. And then Chad Bryant here is the crew chief for the number 21 GMS Racing Chevrolet owned by Mari Gallagher. The driver will be Jack Wood out of Loomis, California. Okay, you've heard us say it several times. These next two drivers are going to be two to watch. You've got Corey Hyman, the number 20 for Venturini Motorsports. He hails from Marietta, Georgia. He'll be driving the JBL Toyota with Shannon Rursch as his crew chief. And the number 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing is from Huntersville, North Carolina, is Ty Gibbs, and Mark McFarland is his crew chief. Out of Denver, North Carolina, is Taylor Gray, going to be in the number 17 DGR, David Gillen-owned Ford. Chad Johnston as the crew chief. And in the Venturini machine, Bill Venturini as crew chief in his own Toyota. Drew Dollar out of Atlanta, Georgia, will be the driver of that Sunbelt Reynolds number 15. In the number 14, Chase Briscoe from Mitchell, Indiana, will be driving the Huffy Parker Boats Ford. Uh, for Chad Bryant with John Klossmeyer as his crew chief. Steve Barton will be the crew chief for the Hillenburg Toyota, number 12 for Tony Cosentino, hailing from Mansfield, Ohio. Another pair of Hillenburg Toyotas. First up, the number 11, a driver will be Ed Pompa, coming out of Ballston Spa, New York. He'll have Mike Schroof as the crew chief. And then Dick Dohaney will be crew chiefing the Hillenburg Toyota number 10 with Arnott Cook as the driver. And he comes to us out of Westville, South Africa. Okay. Another one to watch is the number three of Dale Quarterly from Westfield, Massachusetts, or Maryland. I'm not sure which that is. Van Dyke uh, Chevrolet with uh, team owner Willie Mullins. Alex Quarterly is his crew chief. Steve Plattenberger is the crew chief for the Rev Racing Chevrolet with Nick Sanchez behind the wheel of the number two uh, Chevrolet from Miami, Florida. Well, and if you heard Dale talk with that Boston accent, you know it's from uh, Westfield, <laughs> Massachusetts. Oh, okay, thank you. And the last... <laughs> The last driver there, you're right, it is 29, Austin Hill. He's going to be in the number one. He comes to us out of Winston, Georgia, in the Shigi Hattori Racing Toyota. And he'll have Arco Design Build Industrial on the car and Dave McCarty as his crew chief. Okay, so a lot of great racing to look forward to here with the Arkham and Art Series. 
and having uh, some of the NASCAR's top three series drivers also involved. So definitely looking forward to watching them tomorrow night. All right, uh, let's move on now to the Camping World Truck Series uh, that we mentioned. They are racing the United Rentals 176 at Watkins Glen International this Saturday, August the 7th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised with pre-race coverage on Fox Sports 1 at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Radio coverage again on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be covering a distance of 176.4 miles over 72 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 20, stage 2 on lap 45, and the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 72. Well, we thought this return to the truck series was imminent. Not sure this is where we would have picked for it, but Paul Menard is going to drive a fifth entry for Thor Sport Racing. The former NASCAR Cup Series driver, Paul Menard, is going to be making his return to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, driving the number 66 Thor Sport Racing Toyota this weekend at Watkins Glen International. It'll be his second start of the season for Thor Sport Racing, the first was earlier this season at Circuit of the Americas, where he started 26 and finished 11th. Now, Menard is one of 11 drivers entered this weekend in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series that has previous experience at Watkins Glen in a NASCAR National Series event. Okay, now let's talk about this because this is the last race of the regular season for the Camping World Truck Series. So uh, when they return to action uh, this Saturday, August the 7th at Watkins Glen, it's going to be the last chance for drivers to secure their spot in the playoffs. Now, drivers that have already clinched, there's seven of them, <coughs> excuse me, in the 10-driver postseason field. They include uh, John Hunter Nemechek, Ben Rhodes, Austin Hill, Todd Gilliland, Zane Smith, Matt Crafton, and Sheldon Creed. Those drivers have already secured their place in the 10-driver postseason field. Now, the following drivers uh, can clinch via points if there is a new winner, uh, and they can clinch by being ahead of the fifth winless driver in the standings. So Carson Hosefar can do it with 35 points. Stuart Friesen with 43 points. Chandler Smith can only clinch with some help, and that means somebody else having a bad day, uh, could, and if he has a good day. Derek Krause is in the same situation. They've got to have a driver have one of the top drivers have a bad day or for them to have an exceptionally good day. So uh, there you have it with that. If there is a repeat winner, now, the following drivers could clinch by being ahead of the sixth winless driver in the standings, and they would also clinch if there's a new winner among Zane Smith, Matt Crafton, Carson Hosevar, Stuart Friesen, or Chandler Smith. None of those drivers have won yet this year. So, and they would also need to be ahead of the fifth winless driver in the standings. So Carson Hosevar can clinch regardless of his finish, Stuart Friesen can clinch with three points. Chandler Smith needs 15 points. Derek Krause can only clinch with help. Tyler Anklin can only clinch with help. And he cannot clinch if Chandler Smith should happen to win. 
Johnny sent Johnny Sauter cannot clinch. Uh, he can only clinch with some help, but it's going to be impossible for him to clinch if Chandler Smith comes up with the win this weekend. Now, these drivers can clinch with a win. Uh, that in, if any of these drivers get a win, they've secured their spot into the playoffs. Carson Hosebar, Stuart Friesen, Chandler Smith, Derek Krause, Tyler Ankrum, Johnny Sauter, Austin Wayne Self, Ryan Truex, Haley Deegan, Tanner Gray, or Chase Purdy. So um, those drivers, this is their last chance to get that win to get them into the playoffs. The following drivers could clinch with a win as long as they're still in the top 20 spots. So that includes Tate Fogelman. Uh, he can clinch with 45 points and a win. So uh, there you have it, the clinch scenarios for this final race of the regular season in the Camping World Truck Series. And just want to add a note there. Uh, I know these notes come out earlier in the week. Chase Purdy, I believe, is under the COVID issue um, and will not uh, be entered in or not running uh, this weekend. A.J. Allmendinger in uh, place of him there in the truck series. Thank you, Jay. Moving on, talking about that regular season championship, Kyle Busch Motorsports' John Hunter Nemechek has already clinched it. Now, with his 31 points earned at Knoxville Raceway, KBM driver John Hunter Nemechek has locked up that NASCAR Camping World Truck Series regular season championship for the 2021 season. And he's also pocketed the 15 playoff points that go with it. And to boot, Kyle Busch Motorsports has become the first organization to win multiple regular season titles. Jay, did I lose you? No, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> okay. I covered the uh, KBM clinch in the regular season championship with John Hunter Nemechek. Did you want to cover the list of NASCAR Camping World Truck Series regular season champions? That's All right. There? What's that? It's in that same section. Oh, I, oh I'm sorry. Uh, okay, Camping World Truck Series regular season championships. You mentioned uh, KBM is the first organization to win multiple regular season titles. Uh, that, that going to John Hunter Nemechek for this year. Austin Hill did it in 2020 with Hattori Racing Enterprises, Grant Enfinger, and Thor Sport Racing in 2019, Johnny Sauter with GMS Racing in 2018, and then the other other Kyle Busch Motorsports driver to do it was Christopher Bell back in 2017. John Hunter Nemechek has made 14 starts this season, posted a series leading five wins, eight top fives, and 11 top tens. Be making his series debut, though, this weekend, uh, tr- series track debut at Watkins Glen. I apologize. I didn't see there was a section with that. Oh, okay. Uh, not a problem. Okay, now moving on. After two decades, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series is returning to Watkins Glen, making this a really special weekend. Uh, following three weeks of being off for the Olympic break, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series is returning to action 
for the regular season finale this weekend at Watkins Glen International. Uh, it will be the first time that the Camping World Truck Series has competed there since 2000. So that's quite a long break. Uh, prior to this season, the Camping World Truck Series has only competed at Watkins Glen five times. Uh, the track is located just outside Watkins Glen, New York, and has a multi-elevational seven-turn road course that spans 2.45 miles. The first NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race at that track took place on August the 25th of 1996 and was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Ron Hornaday Jr. Gosh, I miss him. Uh, he was driving the Dale Earnhardt Incorporated Chevrolet. The five Camping World Truck Series races at Watkins Glen have produced four different winners, led by Ron Fellows with two victories in 1997 and in 1999. Now, some other uh, former truck winners at the Glen include, uh, we mentioned Dale, Ron Hornaday Jr. in 1996 for DEI, then 97 Ron Fellows for Billy Hess Racing, 98, it was Joe Rutman for Rush Fenway Racing. In 99, again, it was Ron, Ron, Ron Fellows for Nemco Motorsports. And in 2000, it was Greg Biffle for Rush Fenway Racing. So uh, we've got a lot to look forward to with this uh, final race of the regular season for the truck series. Let's cover the points uh, for this series. Uh, because I know we do it every week, but for those that may have missed it or don't uh, uh, are not up to par- up to uh, pace with where we are with this, uh, let's go ahead and cover the driver points so that everybody knows uh, what's on the line for these drivers. All right, give me just a second as I get those pulled up. Mention that John Hunter Nemechek, obviously your regular season champion at the top of the list. Just a second to load it here. Uh, we went through it went through his stat line having an unbelievable season returning to the Camping World Truck Series with Kyle Bush Motorsports. Second in points though behind him, two wins of his own and one stage win uh, for eleven playoff points is Ben Rhodes. And you got Austin Hill with one race win, has five playoff points. Todd Gillen, one win, two stage wins, seven points. Zane Smith is currently in fifth, has three stage wins, gives him three point playoff points. Those are your top five. Six is Matt Crafton, uh, has no wins, no stage wins, no playoff points uh, up to this point. Sheldon Creed, one win and one stage win, six points. Got to skip over Grant Enfinger, who's in eighth. Then you go to Carson Horsevar who doesn't have any race wins or stage wins. Stuart Friesen, right now, overall 10th, but 9th when the playoff starts. Again, no race wins or stage wins. Chandler Smith, the rookie, 11th in points, going to slide up a little bit as he has one stage win for one playoff point. Mention those trying to get in. Derek Krause, Tyler Ankrum, Johnny Sauter, Austin Wayne Self, Ryan Truex, Haley Deegan, Tanner Gray, Chase Purdy going to miss the race. And then Tate Fogelman. And I believe if you look at it realistically, and even looking at it realistically, Derek Krause, Tyler Ankrum, and Johnny Sauter, you mentioned uh, they'd have to have the best of luck and a lot of drivers the worst of luck in order for them to point their way in. 
So winning is uh, essential, very essential here at Watkins Glen. It certainly is. Okay, we've got a few minutes here, Jay. Why don't we uh, give our Fan for Racing Fantasy Group uh, update here? All right, and I was actually working on that. Give me one second. I'm going to tally the uh, Cup Series or get an order to it, I should say. Okay. Um, and then I'll start with yeah. the Cup Series. All right. What's that? Okay, I said all right. Okay. Uh, the truck series, one-point lead for Sharon. And she's got 59 points. Andy's at 58. Mike is at 53. I'm at 52. Tommy at 49. Owen at 47. Sam, 36. And James, 34. So 25 points top to bottom here in the truck series. We'll start our double points with the next race as they go into their playoffs. In the okay. series. Yeah, that one's really exciting because that one's only one race. Yeah, one race from the playoffs. The Xfinity Series, there's a little more time, but it's still a one-point lead. In this case, it's Mike, 77 points. Andy's at 76. Sam at 70. I'm at 66. James at 64. Sharon at 61. Owen at 60. And Tommy at 58. So there, it's a 19-point gap from top to bottom. Pretty close. And and the uh, going to the Cup Series, guess what the point difference is? One point. One point. <laughs> <laughs> Sam has 113. Yeah, uh, Sam's got 113. I'm at 112. Mike is at 103. Then you got Owen and Sharon tied at 95, Tommy at 89, James at 84, Andy at 47. So I'm going to take him out of this for a minute. There, uh, it's still 16 and 13 is a 29-point gap, minus Andy. He is uh, sticking with Chase Briscoe through and through. So you've got to give him credit for that. Hurting him a little bit there yep. on the cup side, though. Uh, that's all and right. We do this for a lot of fun. Oh, we have definitely had a lot of fun with it this year. Uh, The totals overall, Mike is leading that. uh, Now, this is overall against three series. So if it's a one-point lead in all three series, the overall series, Mm. Mike leads by three points. So (laughs) Mike has 233. I'm at 230. Sam's at 219. Sharon, 215. Owen, 202. Tommy's at 196, James at 182, and Andy at 181. So there it's a total of 50, just under 50 points from top to bottom. But just wait till we get to the playoffs and we start earning double points. That's right, 14, uh, 14 points available. Actually, 16. We got eight players this year, so 16 points per race, per series. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. And a lot can change, especially with how close it is uh, throughout this all three series. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, their next race is the Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey 200 at Watkins Glen International. Uh, that race, again, is Saturday, but at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, this is a difference. We don't see this very often, so I'm making a special note to everybody. Uh, This race will be on C 
CNBC at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, that's CNBC because um, uh, that's a very unusual location to find a race. So uh, definitely check that out. Radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They are racing a distance of 200.9 miles over 82 laps. The first stage ends on lap 20, the second stage on lap 40 in this case, and the last stage on the last lap, lap 82. So what do we got for well, the Xfinity got, Series, guys? We got quite a few notes here uh, reference to upcoming races, not just this weekend at Watkins Glen, but we're going to go over some notes here. Sage Karam is going to be running at the Indy Road Course. That'll be for Jordan Anderson Racing as they announced that IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship driver Sage Karam is going to compete at that Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course in the number 31 Chevrolet. The race will be Karam's Xfinity Series debut. He has two top tens and eight starts in the prestigious Indianapolis 500, and he joins the growing list of drivers that have competed for Jordan Anderson Racing this season and doing a phenomenal job, I might add. Yes, indeed. Now, Sam Hunt Racing is going to field two entries at Indianapolis for the first time since its inception. Sam Hunt Racing will field two entries in the Xfinity Series race during the race weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course. Now, Stuart Haas Racing will field the number, uh, I'm sorry, Sam Hunt Racing uh, will field the number 26 and 24 Toyotas with drivers Chris Wright and Will Rogers. Wright will pilot the number 26. Rogers will pilot the number 24. Sam Hunt Racing has had multiple drivers behind the wheel for his team so far this season, including Rogers. Uh, Wright and others like John Hunter Nemechek, Santino Carucci, and Rogers will have sponsorship from Good RX and Race to Help NC.com. So, uh, there you have it. Sam Hunt Racing also fielding new entries at Indy this year. And we got to throw out a congrats to the Moffitt family. Brett and Stephanie Moffitt announced that they are expecting their first child in February. Moffitt, who runs full-time in the Xfinity Series for our motorsports in the number 02 Chevrolet, currently 22nd in the points and has seven top tens and one top five so far this season. And the ultrasound and the onesies were displayed in their announcement photo with this mess or with the message "Daddy Sidekick." So, congrats to the Moffitt family. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, Martin Motorsports is going to become a multi-driver team. Tommy Joe Martins confirmed via Twitter that there will be multiple drivers behind the wheel of the number 44 Chevrolet beginning in next year. Martins realized that in order to keep his family-run team going, he needed to bring more drivers on board with funding. In a tweet, Martin said that opening up the seat will take our team to the next level and me into the next phase of my career. He will make announcements about driver lineup and uh, other information in the coming months. So watch for more news from Martin's Motorsport. Another one with the driver announcement, that'll be a live fast, as Kyle Tilly will be running at the Glen and Indy Road Courses. Now, Live Fast Motorsports and BJ McLeod Motorsports 
made the announcement that Kelly will compete for the respective teams in both the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series events coming up at the Glen this weekend and then at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course the following week. Philly was originally scheduled to run the Cup Series Road Course events for Live Fast. Now, this weekend will be Tilly's Xfinity Series debut, but he has two Cup Series starts under his belt from earlier this season at Coda and Road America. So keep an eye on Kyle, or that Kyle. (laughs) Yes, another Kyle. Okay, Eric Jones is going to pull double duty at the Glen. Uh, Jordan Anderson Racing announced that Richard Petty Motor Series driver Eric Jones will make his first Xfinity Series start since 2019. He'll be driving the number 31 Chevrolet at Watkins Glen on Saturday. Jones is currently in his fifth full-time season in the Cup Series with 169 starts. He has two victories, 33 top fives, 64 top tens. Jones, who is 25 now, is adding his name to a list of drivers that have piloted that number 31 machine this year. Jones made history in 2017 when he became the first driver to win the Snowfall Rookie of the Year honors in all of NASCAR's top three national series. In three Xfinity Series starts at the track, he has a best finish of fourth in 2019, and his average finish at the track is 6.3. He also has two top fives, three top tens, and he's completed all 270 laps that he's attempted. How about the rookie class? I was going to say, speaking of rookies, let's look at this year's rookie class. Now, Josh Berry has held off Joe Gibbs Racing up and uh, Joe Gibbs Racing's up-and-coming talent, Ty Gibbs, in that Snoko Rookie of the Year standings for several weeks. Barry has 397 points along with six awards, while Gibbs has the six awards but only 330 points. Ryan Vargas is in third, with Jade Buford in fourth, and Sam Mayer now in fifth. Barry has run in 16 of the 19 Xfinity Series races so far, most recently, he covered for Mike Lynette in the number one junior motorsports Chevrolet at New Hampshire Motor Speedway and finished eighth. Annette was out with an injury, uh, on, but as on a waiver for the playoffs. In total, Barry has one win, four top fives, and nine top tens. Gibbs, on the other hand, is competed in nine of the 19 races, but he's got two wins, seven top fives, and seven top tens to his name. His most recent run was at Road America. Uh, Gibbs is entered this weekend at Watkins Glen, and I don't believe Barry is, so that will change up somewhat. That, that will uh, shake it up a bit. Okay. Mentioned, uh, uh, go ahead. Uh, as I say, uh, mentioned the top two at 397 and 330 points. Vargas has 193 points, has picked up the award as top finishing rookie four times. Jade Buford is at 129 with one award, and Sam Merritt 50 points with one award as well. Okay. Uh, I'll go over the playoff standings, and then you can go over the clinch uh, scenarios. Uh, The standings in the Xfinity Series, again, they, they haven't raced for the past two weeks. So just to give you an idea of how this is uh kind of falling into place. Austin Sindrick leads the point standings at 797 points. He has four wins, 
seven stage wins and 27 playoff points. Uh, behind him is A.J. Allmendinger at 715 points. Uh, he has the two race wins, five stage wins for 15 playoff points. So now Gower in third at 653 points. He has the two race wins. He has only one stage win, so that gives him 11 uh, playoff points. Jeff Burton in fourth at 589 points, has one win, giving him five playoff points, along with Myatt Snyder, Myatt Snyder, who has one win and five playoff points. Those drivers are all clinched on wins. Okay, the next set of drivers, we've got Daniel Hemrick uh, in sixth place. He has no wins, but five stage wins, giving him five playoff points. Harrison Burton, again, no wins, but two stage wins, giving him two points for the playoffs. Justin Haley uh, in eighth place has no wins, three playoffs, three stage wins for three points. Noah Gregson, no wins, two playoff points uh, for two stage wins. Brandon Jones is the 10th place driver with one stage win for one point. Now, the next set of drivers to have no wins and no stage wins, uh, that is Jeremy Clements and Michael Annette. Uh, that's the top 12 drivers as it currently sits uh, for those drivers uh, to be in the playoff. Those on the outside looking in right now are Riley Erbst in 13 at 418 points. He's 32 points out. Uh, then there's Brandon Brown in 14th place, 41 points back. Ryan Sieg in 15th, 75 points back. And Alex LeVay at 141 points outside the cut line. So uh, those drivers all need a win in order to get in. Uh, but let's cover the clinch scenarios in more details, Jay. All right. That Xfinity Series chances are dwindling down. Uh, there's seven races left in the regular season, so it's time to take a look at the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff clinch scenarios heading into this weekend's race at Watkins Glen International, which is the Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey 200, and that'll be on Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, a win does get you in, but drivers must still clinch their spot on points by accumulating enough points that even with the win, they do not fall out of the top 30 and become ineligible for the playoffs. So some of these are going to talk about they do have the win and theoretically should stay in the playoffs, but mathematically could possibly fall out if they were to not stay in the top 30. So there's three drivers that have clinched the spot uh, mathematically, I'll say, in the 12 driver Xfinity Series postseason field. It's Austin Sendrick, A.J. Allmendinger, and Justin Algar. We had no new drivers clinch a spot at New Hampshire. Now, when we look at a clinch via win, or I'm sorry, clinch via points come to Watkins Glen, if there's a repeat winner, the following drivers would clinch by being 331 points above the second winless driver in the standings. And that would be Jeb Burton. Uh, he would clinch regardless of the finish. And then Myatt Snyder would clinch with 53 points. The clinch via the win at Watkins Glen, that would lock Jeb Burton uh, in on his win alone. And looking at the regular season championship, 
Austin Sindrick cannot yet clinch the regular season championship this weekend. Second place has 715 points and could still reach 1,135, which is what they would need to get to uh, for Austin to clinch that regular season championship. So still a little far out, but you've got to start looking at points already. That's true. Now, as we all know, NASCAR had a two-week break in action because of the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, but now the NASCAR Xfinity Series is heading up to upstate New York for the Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey 200 uh, this Saturday. This race marks the first uh, time back at the facility since the COVID-19 break in the sports last year. Austin Sendrick is the most recent winner at Watkins Glen in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, taking the checkered flag in 2019. Now, here are some quick facts about Watkins Glen in honor of NASCAR making its return to the seven-turn, 2.45-mile road course. There have been 26 Xfinity Series events at the track, producing 15 different race winners and 16 different pole winners. Joey Logano holds the record for the youngest pole winner. He was 25 years, uh, two months, and 15 days in 2015. In 2019, Cindric became the youngest winner in Watkins in history, and he was at 20 years, 11 months, and just one day. So only nine races in history have been won from the first starting position. The last race won from the pole was in 2018 by Joey Logano. Kurt Busch holds the record for at the track from 2011 at one uh, race record uh, at 106.582 miles per hour. Joey Logano also holds the qualifying record at the track from 2016 uh, at 124.5552 miles per hour. There will be no qualifying or practice this weekend across all three NASCAR National Series. The most recent race had 37 cars, nine lead changes, and six different leaders. There were seven cautions for 16 laps and 24 cars finished on the lead lap. There were 26 cars running at the finish, and the winner, Austin Sindrick, led only eight laps. The margin of victory for Austin was 1.168 seconds. In the last five races at the track, four of the finishes had margins of victory under 1.6 seconds. The only race with a longer margin of victory was in 2018, and that margin was 3.362 seconds. Now, there are 41 cars entered to run this weekend at the Glen. Uh, now, some notes here include two Cup Series regulars are in the field. Austin Dillon and Eric Jones are going to be polling double duty and racing both Saturday and Sunday. So two drivers are polling double duty this weekend. Justin Algauer is going to start on the pole Saturday afternoon. It's his first pole of the season, and Austin Sindrick will join him on the front row. The Screwball Peanut Butter with 200 Again, is 82 laps, 200.9 miles. 
So uh, definitely looking forward to this race this weekend. We're going to move on now to the NASCAR Cup Series, and I apologize for the dog barking in the background, if anybody can hear that. Um, Sharon, if I could point out one thing here to talk about real quick before we move to the Cup Series. Uh, Sure. mentioned 12th place, Michael Annette is at 450 points at the cut line. He is short a race, but has been granted the waiver. And I believe I saw that he was medically cleared for this weekend. Um, but his yes. points gap now to Riley Herbst is only 32 points, and it's only another nine back to Brandon Brown. Uh, so yes. that's going to be an interesting spot to watch there with Michael Annette, Riley Herbst, and Brandon Brown for sure. And what did we say, seven more races? Seven races left? Yeah, there's seven races left. That could, That's an easy fix in seven races. Yeah, so that's going to change in the next seven races, I think. We're going to see a lot of movement among those drivers. Okay, so that was a good, good uh, call, Jay. Okay, the NASCAR Cup Series, their next race is the Gold Bowling at the Glen at Watkins Glen International. They'll be racing on Sunday, August the 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That race is on NBC Sports Network. Their pre-race coverage will begin at 2.30 p.m. Eastern with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 220.5 miles over 90 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 20, stage 2 on lap 40, and the last stage, of course, in on the last lap, lap 90. So what do we got for the Cup Series here, Jay? Well, one we always like to talk about, some sponsorship as well as uh, very worthy causes, if you will. And that's Starcom Racing. They're team, teaming up with FAIR for Watkins Glen. That's F-A-R-E. And this weekend at Watkins Glen International, Starcom Racing will team up with a recurring partners, the Sungate Kids and Share Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support, along with their 2021 partner, FAIR, which is the largest, largest, sorry, largest private funder dedicated to food allergy research and education. That's where the FAIR abbreviation comes from. And that'll be for the Go Bowling at the Glen race. And Starcom's racing drivers, Quinn Huff, will be making his Watkins Glen Series track debut. Okay, and some other news that came out this week. Ross Chastain is joining Trackhouse Racing in 2022. Uh, He'll be driving the number one Chevrolet for Trackhouse Racing next season and will join teammate Daniel Suarez. Trackhouse Racing purchased assets and Assey Racing this season and will expand to a two-car organization in 2022. Uh, so Chastain currently drives the number 42 Chevrolet for Chip Ganassi Racing and ranked 18th in the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings after posting two top fives and six top tens this season. Well, that's one more domino that has fallen and still leaves some questions that I think maybe will get addressed in Hot Topics tonight. I believe you are right. Now, let's talk about chasing history. Elliot could tie Tony Stewart 
on the all-time road course wins list. When it comes to road course racing in the NASCAR Cup Series, Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott is instantly mentioned now as one of the favorites to watch, and with good reason. Elliott has won six of the last seven road courses the NASCAR Cup Series has competed at, including the most recent at Road America just a few weeks ago. With his latest foray into victory lane at Road America, Elliott has locked up his seventh NASCAR Cup Series road course win, and with it moved solely into third all-time on the Cup's road course win list. He's just one shy of NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart in second with eight road course victories. NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon holds the NASCAR Cup Series record for the most road course wins in the series with nine. We'll take a look at this uh, all-time road course winners um, and the tracks they won at. We mentioned Jeff Gordon has nine, five of them coming at Sonoma, four at Watkins Glen. Tony Stewart's was a little bit the other way. He's got eight, three of them coming at Sonoma, and five at Watkins Glen. When we look at Chase Elliott, seven. Uh, he doesn't have any at Sonoma. He's got two at Watkins Glen, but he now has four other tracks that he can run on. Daytona Road Course, he's got one win. The Charlotte Road Course, he's got two. Coda, the Circuit of America, he's got one. And Road America, one. Now, seven of the 2020 Series Champions 13 Cup Series wins have come on road courses. Watkins Glen in 2018 and 19. The Roval in 2019 and 20. The Daytona Road Course was in 2020. And we mentioned the two this year at Circuit of Americas and Road America for 2021. Now, as Elliott returns to Watkins Glen International, where he's won the last two series events held at the track, he's looking to get his third straight this weekend. And if Elliott were to win this weekend at Watkins Glen, he would break the tie with Kyle Busch for the most wins at the 2.45-mile track among active drivers, and it becomes the third different driver in series history to win three consecutive races at Watkins Glen, joining NASCAR Hall of Famers Mark Martin, who did it in 93, 94, and 95, and, of course, Jeff Gordon, who did it in 97, 98, and 99. And a 25-year-old from Dawsonville, Georgia, has made a total of four series starts at Watkins Glen International, posting the two wins in 2018 and 19, has an average finish of 7.0. Okay. Uh, now we're going to take again a look at the clinch scenarios. There's only four races left until the playoffs in the Cup Series. So time is ticking for the NASCAR Cup Series competitors that have not clinched their spots in the 2021 playoffs. Just four races remain in the regular season, including this weekend's Go Bowling at the Glen on Sunday. Uh, Now, Watkins Glen, as we mentioned earlier, is located just outside Watkins Glen, New York, and nine drivers have secured their fate into the postseason, leaving saleable heading into Sunday's extravaganza. Now, the drivers that already clinched are nine drivers. They include Kyle Larson, William Byron, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski, and Alex Bowman. Uh, the following drivers could clinch if they build up enough points to ensure that they'll not be left out of the playoffs due to not 
all winning drivers having a slot available. Now, if there's a repeat winner, Kurt Busch could clinch with 46 points, and Christopher Bell could only clinch with help. If there's a new winner, both Kurt Busch and Christopher Bell could only clinch with help. Now, the following drivers can clinch if they get a win. Uh, and it doesn't matter how many points, if they get that win, they're going to be in. That includes Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, Eric Almarola, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick, and Austin Dillon. Four of those drivers do not yet have a win this year. The other uh, five drivers have wins. That would be Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, and Eric Almarola. They all have a win already this year. Uh, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick, and Austin Dillon have no wins yet this season. Uh, Following the race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, Richard Childress Racing teammates Tyler Reddick, who's 16th, and Austin Dillon's 17th, have found themselves straddling the postseason cutoff line, which is five points separating the two drivers. Of the drivers still looking for a win this season, two are former victors at Watkins Glen International. That includes Danny Hamlin, who won there in 2016, and then Kevin Harvick, who won at the track in 2006. So uh, this is going to be quite interesting. Uh, Again, the three drivers that uh, are at the top of the series point standings include Danny Hamlin, 283 points, Kevin Harvick, well, how did they have this ranked? This is really strange how they did this. Oh, winless drivers. Okay, these are the winless drivers this season. Uh, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, and Tyler Reddick. Uh, Austin Dillon's below the cut line, uh, and he also does not have a win. Other drivers that don't have a win, Chris Buescher, Matt Benedetto, Ross Chastain, Bubba Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., Daniel Suarez, Chase Briscoe, the rookie, Eric Jones, Ryan Priest, Ryan Newman, Cole Custer, Corey LaJoy, and Anthony Alfredo, also a rookie. Those are the drivers that are in the top 30, but they do not yet have a win this season. All of those drivers are going to need a win in order to get in. Well, and what's really interesting there, we're talking about four races to go in the Cup Series, and a win isn't technically locked you in yet. That's that's pretty amazing, especially with how we started this it season. It is. It is. We've got drivers now, on those lists that have a win, and they're not clinched. Yeah, that's. Uh, we're we're going to pull one of them out, though. It's one of the ones without a win we've talked about a lot, and that's Denny Hamlin. Scroll up here to where they start. As he continues to try and hold off Larson for that regular season title and how important that could be. Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin has just four regular season races left to hold off Hendrick Motorsports' Kyle Larson for that 2021 NASCAR Cup Series regular season championship. Larson has closed the points gap to as little as two points, which was following the second race at Pocono, but since then, Hamlin has been able to open the points cushion up between the two back to 13 points heading into this weekend at Watkins Glen International. Now, Hamlin has led the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings 
since the start second race of the season at the Daytona Road Course. And this season, though, Hamlin has yet to win, but has put up 11 top fives, which is tied for the series most uh, this season with Larson. 15 top tens, which is tied for the series most of the year, also tied with Larson and Harvick. Now, Larson, on the other hand, was 12th in the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings following that second race of the season, 51 points back from Hamlet. Since then, Larson has rallied off four wins, which is the series most, and matched Hamlin in top fives at 11 and top tens at 15 and close that points lead over second in the standings to now just 13 points. So over the next four races, expect that battle between Hamlin and Larson to heat up. Not only does the winner of the regular season championship get a trophy and the prestige, but also 15 playoff points to take into the postseason. As we look ahead to the next four races, we're going to take a look at the career statistics for Hamlin and Larson at each track. We got Watkins Glen this weekend. Denny Hamlin's made 14 starts at the 2.45 mile road course. He's posted one win coming in 2016, four top fives and seven top tens, has an average finish at the track of 16.3. Kyle Larson has made six series starts at the 2.45 mile road course, putting up one top five and three top tens. His average finish at the track is 13.7. To give a slight edge to Larson there. Uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, this one's going to be a little awkward because both Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson will be making their series track debuts next weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. As it'll be the first time the NASCAR Cup Series has competed on the 2.439-mile road course configuration at Indianapolis. Then we got Michigan International Speedway. Hamlin has made a total of 30 starts at the 2.5-mile high-speed oval, posted two wins coming in 2010 and 11. He's got a total of nine top fives and 15 top tens. The average finish at the track is 13.2. Kyle Larson, on the other hand, has only made 12 starts at Michigan, but has accumulated three wins coming in 2016 and a 2017 sweep. He's had five top fives and six top tens. The average finish at the track is 12.4. Another slight edge to Larson on that one. This is interesting. Now we go to Daytona International Speedway, final race of the regular season for the Cup Series. Hamlin's made a total of 31 starts at the World Center of Racing. He's grabbing a three wins, all coming in the Daytona 500, 2016, 19, and 20. Uh, 11 top fives and 12 top tens. His average finish at the track is 16.0. Larson has made 14 starts at Daytona, has posted five top tens. His average finish at the track is 21.1. So give Hamlin a slight edge on that one. Now, if Hamlin or Larson win the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series regular season championship, the winner will become just the fourth different driver in series history to win that prestigious award. I'm going to take a look at this, of how NASCAR is currently set up this way. Uh, regular, season, regular season championships crowned. Kyle Busch has two titles coming in 2019 and 18. Kevin Harvick took it last year in 2020. And then Martin Truex in 2017. 
So definitely something worth looking at. Going to be interesting between those two. It's not much of, a, of an advantage on either one, but Kyle had two, uh, Hamlin had one, and the Indy Road course is an absolute unknown. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so, again, uh, this race is kind of a very important race for, for those drivers as well as all of the drivers that are looking for a win uh, to get in this year. Okay, now NASCAR returns to Watkins Glen International. It's with great anticipation that the Cup Series is returning to New York's Watkins Glen for the 23rd race of the 21 season. The Go Bowling at the Glen this Sunday uh, is not only has the NASCAR, well, the, the, the Go Bowling at the Glen is this Sunday. Not only has the NASCAR Cup Series been on a two-week summer hiatus while the Olympics uh, have been held, but the series also hasn't been at Watkins Glen International since 2019, and that's because of the restrictions last year and the schedule changes that were brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, Watkins Glen is one of four tracks left in the regular season that Jay just outlined to decide who makes the playoffs in 2021. Now, this weekend will be the 38th running of the NASCAR Cup Series race at at the Glen, and the 2.45-mile road course located near Watkins Glen, New York, is a multi-elevational course that provides great high-speed racing. Now, the previous 37 NASCAR Cup Series races have produced 22 different pole winners and 23 different race winners. The first Cup Series race at the Glen was in 1957, and it was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Buck Baker. Uh, He was going 83.064 miles per hour on August the 4th of 1957. Over the years, the series has changed the race length at Watkins Glen three times. The first Cup Series race at the Glen was scheduled for 101.2 miles in 1957. The second race at 161.7 miles in 64. And the third race at 151.8 miles in 1965. Every race since then has been scheduled at 220.5 miles and 90 laps. Now, NASCAR Hall of Famers Dale Earnhardt in 1990, 92, and 96, Mark Martin in 93, 94, and 95, and Jeff Gordon in 98, 3, and 14 lead the NASCAR Cup Series in polls at Watkins Glen. They each have three polls apiece. Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch leads all active drivers in polls at the Glen with two. His polls came in 2011 and in 2017. This weekend's starting lineup was set for the metric qualifying, and as a result, Team Penske's Brad Keselowski will start from the pole, and his teammate, Joey Logano, will join him on the front row. Now, NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart leads the NASCAR Cup Series in victories at the Glen. He has five victories starting in 2002, 2004, 5, 7, and 9. One win shy of tying the series record for the most road course wins at a single track at six held by NASCAR Hall of Famer Bobby Allison 
at Riverside Raceway. Hendrick Motorsports' Chase Elliott won there in 2018 and 19, and Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch won in 2008 and 2013. They lead all active drivers in Cup Series wins at the Glen. They each have two. Elliott is also the most recent winner at the two, at the track. He dominated the 2019 NASCAR Cup Series event, leading 80 of 90 scheduled laps for 88.9%. Uh, that's amazing. I know uh, everybody, if they could, would have picked Chase Elliott uh, for this weekend. But with eight of us uh, making picks, it's kind of hard for all of us to choose him. Well, that's what it was. I think when it when it came down to it, Mike had first pick, Andy had second pick, and uh, I went right ahead to the third pick because I knew Mike was going to take Chase Elliott as a fan and <laughs> as an obvious favorite. Andy took Chase Briscoe, which I called uh, easily. So, yeah, I went right to the third pick when it came to the Cup Series. Yes, indeed. Uh, we've got a few minutes here. Uh, can you give the picks that we have so far, Jay? All right. Well, we'll start with the Cup Series. Pull that up on our uh, group chat here real quick. As I mentioned, uh, the chases went first. Uh, then James actually took Kyle Larson. Sharon, this was an easy one to give as well. Martin Truex all the way, as you put it. Uh, waiting on <laughs> Owen uh, to come up with his. And let's see. I think the uh, Xfinity Series and the truck are all full, so... We still got a few minutes. I'll run through those. Okay. All right. The Xfinity series. Uh, James got first pick there. No, uh, no surprise there. He took Cindric. Owen had second pick. Went with uh, AJ Allmendinger. Sharon went with Harrison Burton. I took the Little Gator, Justin Algeyer. Tommy went with Ty Gibbs. Sam took Justin Haley. And then Mike and, or I'm sorry, Andy and then Mike went with some of the Cup Series regulars as Andy took Austin Dillon and Mike took Eric Jones. That was an interesting finish to that one. Okay. Yeah. And let's see, the Truck Series. This one, uh, I can't say there was much predictable there other than I got first pick and went with John Hunter Nemechek. That might have been the only obvious pick. (laughs) Uh, second, Sam took Matt Crafton. James took Will Rogers. Tommy took Todd Gillen. Andy had heard the news here. He went with A.J. Allmendinger filling in for Chase Purdy. And then Mike took Sheldon Creed. So another, again, a very interesting set of picks there in the truck series. Mm-hmm. Will Rogers is very good on the road courses. Uh, he, he's always been a very good road course racer, so it will be fun to see what he does this weekend. Well, and with that, as I was as I was reading those, I think I had said the truck series was full. It is not. <laughs> and Sharon, you didn't even catch it. You haven't made a pick yet. You got to wait on Owen. There's only six of them in. Uh, I was thinking Andy and Mike had the final two picks in both those series, but you and Owen actually get to go too, if you'd like. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I still All haven't right, made me... a pick yet. I... I I really didn't realize that. I wished everybody good luck because I thought it was full, and at reading through those, I was like, that's only six drivers. 
Right. There's still two of us. So so uh, we'll see what happens as uh, we kind of fill that out. Uh, we're coming up to the top of the hour here, uh, which means that we're going to be going into our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Now, I'll tell you, the three, there's only three of us from the Fan for Racing crew tonight. Uh, it's going to be myself, Jay, and Tommy will be joining us for Hot Topics tonight. So I'm, I'm very thankful that he was available. I know I saw where both Andy and Mike had to uh, had to work late again. Uh, you know, I know they got quite the schedule and they're kind of uh, last-minute calls, so they don't know for sure when they can be on. But I think Mike was saying he had a record there uh, for a while anyway of two, three weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a busy time for those guys. So uh, uh, we wish them the best, and we'll look forward to when they are able to come back and join us for Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, but uh, we've got quite a few topics uh, on the list already here for tonight. Some interesting ones at that. I know we still don't uh, always have all the information, but certainly some things to speculate on, and we all like to do that. Not at all. Uh, and, uh, oh, yeah, I see what he's saying now. I just kind of clicked on the link of one of these. Uh, if you can... Picture the silhouette. You might be able to guess uh, what Joe Gibbs Racing is thinking at. Well, Today's like I said, fifth. I saw that earlier. Yeah, I saw that earlier as well. And again, it's going to be some speculation. I think there's some, uh, maybe some obvious things, but we've seen this year. You can see some big surprises come out of nowhere as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, look for a Joe Gibbs Racing announcement sometime tomorrow. Uh, because he's definitely hinting at uh, what that announcement might be over on Twitter. Okay, joining us now, because it is the top of the hour, is Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, thanks for having me back. How are y'all? Well, it's always a pleasure. Uh, We are at the top of the hour, and that means it's time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And, Tommy, we're going to let you kick us off here tonight. Okay, um, let's go with um, Chastain uh, to the one car for um, track house. Okay, Jay, what do you have to say? Well, it's not a complete surprise. Uh, there were definitely some options. I think this one uh, kind of, to me, makes the most sense. Chast- Chastain working with right now what is the 42 at Chip Ganassi Racing, which is the team track house bought. Uh, being able to stay with that team, I think could be a good mesh with Daniel Suarez and what Trackhouse is building on there. So I think is a very solid and reasonable choice. Uh, we mentioned there are certainly some several other options. I know that Kurt Busch was considered one of them, uh, at least uh, as well. And Matt DiBenedetto's name is still out there. So there were some options, but I think Ross Chastain was the most, I, I think, logical when, when you bring a, a driver that's with that team already, all you're doing is merging it in with yours. You're not necessarily bringing in a new driver or a new team. I think that kind of made the most sense, and I'm really happy for Chastain. We've talked about this. He's kind of had the carpet pulled out from under him in several situations, uh, as well as, unfortunately, Matt DiBenedetto. So I would have felt the same had he gotten it, that it was good for him. But 
Uh, Chastain is one of those that just seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time instead of the right place at the right time. (laughs) That is so true, Jay. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. I think he was the logical choice. We knew that there were other players in in play here. But uh, Ross Chastain makes sense that they would choose him to uh, drive for track house racing. Uh, and he will be joining Daniel Suarez as a teammate uh, in that series, in the Cup Series next year. Uh, his car number, um, the, the number one is a little bit surprising because I think that that uh, opens up uh, the question about, okay, uh, Kyle Busch or Kurt Busch, drives the number one now. So what car is he going to be driving next year? Uh, There are are options out there for him. Uh, We'll have to wait and see what he chooses when it it comes down to it. But, uh, yeah, it certainly opens up that that question, and uh, we'll have to wait for the answer, uh, hopefully not too long. Uh, But uh, I'm, I'm happy for Ross Chastain. I think he definitely has earned the right Uh, to get that ride, and uh, I look for him, you know, a lot of people have said of the drivers that they think that don't have a win yet, that could possibly get a win in these next four races, I hear Ross Chastain's name, uh, and uh, uh, a lot of people think he's on the verge of getting that win, uh, whether it's uh, during the regular season or in the postseason, they think that he's going to come up with a win. Uh, sometime this season, and I have to agree with that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think he is one of the sports hottest drivers right now. And uh, every time I eat a watermelon, I I wonder if it's from Ross Chastain's uh, farm. (laughs) Tommy, what do you have to say? I'm like Jay. Uh, It's not really a a prize because we knew it was going to be him or Kurt Busch. But um, this kind of confirms if 23XI is able to get a um, car that Kurt Busch will probably go there. Um, that's what Bob Podcrass has been saying anyway. So, um, And he was the one that said Chastain was the other top option for the one. So, But, um, yeah, I'm excited for Chastain. Um, he finally broke through. He's not going to lose the ride. Um, same can't be said for Matty D. But, um um, I like the idea of the one and the 99 car being their numbers, but that does end the 42 car, which has been way back with um, Felix Bates. But um, mm-hmm. maybe maybe in the years to come, they'll go three cars, so maybe they'll bring the 42 car back or the 41 or the 40 or something. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for Chastain. Uh, looking forward to seeing who gets named to that second car at 23XI if they're able to um, get one. My options are, I think it's probably going to be Kurt Busch or John Hunter Nemechek, in my opinion, but we'll see. Okay, Jay, any follow-up comments there? Yeah, well, I got two things, uh, and I, I hadn't even caught that in the announcement of uh, Chastain signing or being selected with uh, Trackhouse that they would, as you mentioned, use the number one. Um, I understand they are pulling it from the Ganassi uh, Racing, which that uh, has had the number one there for quite a few years. Before that, it was at DEI. But I would have thought Trackhouse, maybe in an effort to build their own identity with that, would have gone with 
possibly a number 88 or a 98, something in line with the 99 of Suarez. So that is kind of interesting. Although, I guess just thinking about it off the top of my head, being that NASCAR requires it to be double digits, you got the first and the last, the one and the 99. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting thought when you think about it. Um, mm-hmm. Going to the 2311 racing, as things developed, I really felt like maybe Matt DiBenedetto would be the favorite there based on Denny Hamlin beating him and then in victory land saying, I'm so sorry I had to beat uh, somebody like Matt DiBenedetto. The relationship that mm-hmm. they've had, and I know Hamlin has pushed for sponsorship for Matty D before. Uh, I know a lot of the reports are saying Kurt Busch is the top uh, leading candidate there. And as a champion, uh, certainly has the credentials. But I kind of thought like Matt D would be, be one um, to be uh, in contention for it anyway. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think uh, Kurt Busch certainly does seem to be the forefront I'm not, not going to say foregone conclusion. As I said, we've seen some strange things happen, but uh, I really Matt, Matt's running out of options. Yeah, and I was going to bring that up because I know Steve Letarte was uh, pretty straightforward and some think maybe a little bit harsh in his assessment of why Matty D's in the position that he's in, um, and it's the fact that he's not winning races. Uh, and NASCAR and, and a lot of these teams, that's what they are looking for, is drivers that can get themselves to victory lane. And unfortunately, uh, Matty D, as popular as he is, because we all know he's a very popular driver, but if he's not winning races, uh, these teams are, are going to take a second look before choosing him, I think. And uh, uh, Steve Letarte uh, was pretty much in that vein with his comments. So I, I do think uh, that there's a reason that Kurt Busch is at the top of that list, and that's because he has a win this season. If Matty G should come up with a win in the next four races, who knows? Uh, maybe things will change for him. But uh, now, these teams are looking for drivers that can win. So, uh, again, I'm real happy for Ross Chastain. I think he's earned the right to be there. He, he doesn't have that win this season but a lot of people think he can make that happen before this is over. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, I think Ross Chastain has found himself uh, up there in the top five a lot more frequently than Matty D has, and that's why he's got that spot. So, Tommy, what are your final thoughts? I definitely think Ross could uh, get a win, and um... – I think it is cool that they are the one and the 99, so that, that's just pretty cool. Maybe he could have been zero or double zero. That would have been cool, too. But um, Matty D definitely is an option for the 23X I car. I agree with you all on that. Um, I'm interested to see where he lands because um, I really want him to stay in the Cup Series. But then again, I think it would be pretty cool to see him in the Xfinity or Truck Series full-time, probably winning races and stuff. So he should still consider that. But um, I hope it works out for him. And I also think Harrison Burton at one point was mentioned for the 23X sidecar. I feel like his name might have been in there. I don't really remember. But he's going to Wood Brothers now. But um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Chastain go to the one car. Okay, good points. Okay, Jay, you get to bring up the next top topic. Well, we talked about it just as we wrapped up our uh 
preview of uh, Watkins Glen, some type of announcement for Joe Gibbs Racing, or they're hinting that there will be something forthcoming tomorrow. The Twitter is a driver silhouette picture up, so we'll go from there. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter um, earlier, and um, there was a bunch of comments, but I really do think it looks like Ty Gibbs. So I'm sure it'll be an announcement that he'll be full-time next year in, in one of the cars but um, or something like that. But other people, I just have to say, and other people were saying it could be Kurt Busch, it could be Matt DiBenedetto, it could be um, uh, it was uh, John Hunter Nemechek, I think was the other name I saw. So, But I, I really do think it looks like Ty Gibbs. So I'm really excited to see the announcement. Um, I always like driver changes and all that good stuff and he's he's been doing really good so it's about time for them to announce a full-time ride for him i guess but that's what i think it is i think it's ty gibbs full-time well i think that's a good uh a good uh thought and it does kind of look like ty gibbs my first thought when i saw it was uh john hunter nemechek um so yeah that's interesting it very well could be Ty Gibbs. I know a lot of people feel like uh, uh, he is up for uh, going into Cup, but I would be a little bit surprised if they move him up that quickly. I think if they're going to announce him at Joe Gibbs Racing, I think it's going to be for the Xfinity Series as a full-time ride next season. I don't see him going into the Cup Series. Uh, as a full-time driver just yet, if this is Ty Gibbs. Um, but I think it it could be possible uh, if it's John Hunter Nemechek, I was thinking uh, they might be announcing him uh, in the Xfinity Series for next season. I don't think there's any rides open really in the Cup Series unless somebody's also going to announce that they're retiring at the same time that they announce a new driver. Uh, so I, I do think that this is for the Xfinity Series and not the Cup Series. Um, but I think those two drivers are probably the top two candidates uh, for who this is going to be. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was just looking at it because it doesn't say Cup Series. I was really thinking, again, we know that Joe Gibbs is redoing their uh, Xfinity program. I think it, it, you almost have to get 99% that it's Xfinity Series because the Cup Series, as you mentioned, is fully loaded. So uh, I don't see what it could be there. Um, Ty Gibbs, we all feel like, is going to go full-time next year. He's, he's still adding races for this year and, and shown that he is ready to go Xfinity Series racing. Uh, with the wins he's got, the races he's run there, going after that Arkham Menard Series championship, I, I think he'll move on from there after this year. So that seems like the most logical. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek is one that I think we may see move into the Xfinity Series for Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, following a truck series, if not championship, a real heavy run at it. So that Mm -hmm. could be. um, I know just looking at the silhouette, everybody wants to try and see who it is by the silhouette, and there is a picture (laughs) that others have put up of Ty Gibbs, and it kind of matches but that really doesn't. I've, I've watched them do that on uh, Race Hub before, 
every once in a while, there's ones you really can't tell. There's certain drivers, the head shape, the body shape, or whatever that you can tell. Uh, that one, I think Matt, Matt D., Ty Gibbs, or John Hunter Nemechek could all three fit into that. But I really see it as Ty Gibbs. The fact that that's kind of been the most expected to be announcing this early, yeah. um, I think it makes the most sense and fit, fits where we're at and ready to make that announcement. So that's where I'd have to put my money if I were betting on it. But it could be several different things. I would put a, quite a bit of money on it being an Xfinity Series program, though. Okay. Tommy, your follow-up. At first, I thought it was um, John Hunter Nemechek, too. But um, I, I definitely think it's Ty Kibbs going full-time in the Xfinity Series. Um, I did the comment that somebody said as uh, Matt DiBettadetto, when I looked at it again, I kind of thought so. And then, like I said, somebody said Kurt Busch, but when I looked at it, I was like, I just don't think that's it. And also somebody on Twitter said that Ty Gibbs had like a Instagram post or story or something where he was uh, getting like a professional shot taken or something. So I think that it's definitely him going to be full-time in the Xfinity Series next year. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I see the picture. Somebody uh, posted a picture of Ty Gibbs, and the background is is exactly the same background as what they have in the uh, silhouette. So uh, he's it, the, he's facing a different direction, though, and you can clearly see his face in the second picture that's posted. Uh, but. Oh, man, I think it's going to be interesting. If they don't announce, maybe they'll announce both drivers in the Xfinity Series, or maybe they'll be sharing the ride. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I would rather see him have two cars next season uh, and have John Hunter Nemechek racing, or maybe John Hunter's going to go to the Cup Series. Uh, but I don't think there's room at Joe Gibbs racing for him right now. So, I, again, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Jay, you get the final word here. Well, one of the cool things, and I know there was a, that wasn't the tag to this one, a lot of times when it's something that's fully expected, they like to do the wrong answers only. And something I saw in there kind of sparked that in my mind. Uh, somebody said Denny Hamlin's retiring at the end of the year, so uh, John Hunter Nemechek or Ty Gibbs going into the number 11 FedEx machine. But it did bring up an interesting point of does Denny Hamlin go over to his own team? And that does open up a door there at the, the main stable of Joe Gibbs Racing at the Cup Series level. Uh, so that's an interesting mm-hmm. thought. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, there's been no indication or uh, even rumors, slight rumors of that, at least at this point. I think at some point maybe Denny Hamlin will slide over there, but I don't think it's going to be anytime soon here. Okay, uh, Tommy, your thoughts? Um, either John Hunter or Ty Gibbs, for sure. Okay, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and move to the next hot topic. Uh, Tommy, you get to choose this one. Let's go with um, Jimmy Johnson's comments about um, a possible NASCAR return, but I don't, you know, not really, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) 
Okay, so Jay, your thoughts? Well, this is another one that doesn't totally surprise me. Uh, We've seen other drivers do it, some based on just opportunity, unfortunately, for it to fill in for other drivers, but Jeff Gordon had done it. Dale Earnhardt Jr. still doing the uh, spot driving. Uh, It would definitely be interesting if he were to return to NASCAR because, again, Rick Hendrick is full across the board as far as full-time rides, and I don't believe they can put a fifth car in there unless it is for a rookie or a first younger, I don't want to say younger, but developmental driver, and Jimmy Johnson is not such. So to see him come back and drive for somebody other than Hendrick, which doesn't seem possible, just seemed kind of out of the realm. But what it does tell me is that maybe Jimmy retired a little too early. I know he was having a, not the best of seasons, but uh, in his final couple of years, and, and there's that time when the driver knows he has to call it quits, but clearly he wasn't done racing as he wanted to go IndyCar. And I know we talked about this on um, Monday night's show, I'm sorry, last Thursdays, of even going to the Indy 500, that he's still looking for more, and this road course thing in the IndyCar isn't quite exactly fulfilling him uh, as it's not his forte. So maybe he is looking to come back. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see how it happens if it's not for Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah, that is going to be interesting. His comment here, uh, Bob Pachras, uh, I guess, talked to him, uh, and he told him, I feel like I'm very near the cap of races that I would want to run in a year. I'm at 17, and 17 to 20 is the number that I've been aiming for. But if a great opportunity came along, I would definitely look hard at it and probably do it. So, um, and they're talking about NASCAR. So uh, Jimmy Johnson says that he talked with Sage Karam about the IndyCar Drivers Xfinity Series debut next month at Indianapolis Road Force, and he also addresses if he's wanting to get in a cup car again. Um, When I first saw this, I really kind of thought uh, he was kind of saying if, if the right opportunity came along, meaning you know, subbing for somebody in uh, some situation. But it sounds to me like he's definitely talking about coming back full-time if it's the right opportunity. And when you think about it, there's not too many. It wouldn't be at uh, Hendrick Motorsports, I don't think, because those drivers are all young and -and up-and-coming drivers. I don't see any of them retiring. Uh, Maybe Joe Gibbs Racing. But that's not going to happen, I don't think, this year. Um, but who knows? That's a possibility. Uh, but there's not a lot of top-tier teams out there that I see Jimmy Johnson going to uh, other than Joe Gibbs Racing or uh, Hendrick Motorsports. And there's just no spots available. So, Tommy, your thoughts? Well, he said 17 to 20 races is what he's aiming for, and that was his goal. Um, so there's a bunch of part-time rides next year, so that might be interesting, actually. Like, Calling Racing might do two cars, um, well, one part-time. I know that they have AJ. Gonna, he's going to be doing that, but um, maybe get Jimmy Johnson in there, GMS Racing. Uh, that would be another one. 
23XI, I mean, if they get a second car, that could still be an option. Um, Roush Fenway, they're talking about doing part-time for Newman. So, I mean, what if they put Jimmy there and replace Newman? But um, And then there's also the Xfinity and the Truck Series. I don't know if he'd be interested in that, but that would be that would be awesome for him to do part-time in some of those series as well. So uh, I'm excited to see that he wants to return calls. He's right up there with Newman, Kurt Busch, and Harvick and all those guys. Um, I don't want them to retire yet. I want them to race. As, uh, I want them to pull Mark Martins. Just just don't stop. You know, I kind of like that idea, Jay. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm I'm with Tommy. The way the way I heard it would it would be a one or two race deal, um, and he mentioned one there that I hadn't thought about. College Racing. We know they have two charters, um, but only one announced full time ride. So th- in order to keep that charter, the other team has to run the entire year, not necessarily one driver. So that would be a spot where to bring Jimmy Johnson in for a couple of races, especially, say, hometown races, maybe out in California, uh, being that he's originally from California or in the Charlotte area. The other, to me, that popped into my head was the Daytona 500. And I know Ganassi has sold his team, but if a team like that or, in this example, Colleg Racing, needed one just for the 500, I think that is one that Jimmy Johnson, I think, would at least consider uh, the spot racing, if you will. So something like that, I think, is maybe what he's looking at. Uh, you mentioned maybe the fill-in right now. I don't know if we know of anybody that needs a fill-in for one or two races as far as the COVID or injury. Um, I don't see him doing it in the Xfinity Series unless maybe it were for, say, junior motorsports. I really, based on the fact that he d- spent his entire Cup Series career with Hendrick Motorsports, I don't see him doing it for another I don't even see him doing it uh, truthfully for, but maybe another Chevrolet team at most. Uh, but yeah, you never know. Uh, it'd be interesting to see as we hit, get more hints or whatever that come down the line on that, or what opportunities start popping up as far as statements made of what teams would like to do. Okay. Uh, I, I just uh, think it's going to be interesting to see what he, what does happen uh, and if that right opportunity comes up, I'm not going to be surprised if nothing's available right now. Uh, so I, I think he's he's hinting at a, a right possibility coming up, uh, but I, I just struggle to see where that's going to be. Um, yeah, Junior Motorsports might be a possibility. I could see him doing that part time. Uh, with another driver as part of a driver development program at Junior Motorsports. Uh, but you guys bring up some really good ideas. I, I like what I'm hearing. Tommy, you get the final word. Maybe Hendricks could do a fifth car. Um, I know they did that back with Terry Labonte in like 10, 12 years ago, 15 years ago now maybe, but when he drove that 44 car for a few races, um, they could do that. Um, and then also maybe he'll bring Carvana over as his sponsor and they could do like a cool paint scheme or something. But there are options out there. Um, I mean, he could do part-time with Sam Mayer, Josh Berry, and all of them in the eight car next year if that's what's – well, that's, that'll be to be determined. But, I mean, he could do that. GMS Racing, like I said, in the cup, maybe he could do some of their trucks. Um 
So, yeah, the options are out there. I'm just glad to see that he wants to come back. Yep, that's that's definitely true. Okay, we are coming up to the 1030 mark, uh, 1030 Eastern time mark. And uh, I do an announcement at this time of the show just to make sure, uh, especially new listeners, uh, if you're listening for the first time, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. However, uh, we do continue recording the rest of our conversation. I'm not sure how long we'll go here tonight, but uh, that part of our podcast, uh, uh, that part of our show is uh, kind of bonus overtime material for the podcast. So if you've listened up to this point, I want to let you know how you can hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, I'm going to come out on Twitter uh, when we complete our conversation here and let everybody know when the podcast is available. At that point, you can go to either Block Talk Radio uh, on the Fan for Racing Radio Network or you can go to fanforracing.com. I have a player there, and you can just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation uh, as part of that bonus overtime material. Uh, So just hang tight uh, for that uh, time period uh, when we complete our conversation here and watch for that tweet, and then you'll know that it's okay to go and hear the rest of the conversation. Podcast listeners are going to be able to listen straight through. Uh, but, again, we like to make the announcement at this time of the night just so that people are not taken off guard when we go off air and you're wondering, uh, how do I hear the rest of the conversation? So with that, Jay, you are up next for the next topic. Well, actually, as you were speaking there, I think I have it figured out. Junior Motorsports okay. wants to get their feet wet in the Cup Series still makes a couple of starts in the Cup Series since Hendrick Motorsports can't technically have a fifth team. That's where Jimmy Johnson ah, falls in. That <laughs> could be very – that's a very good point. There you have it. Uh, I like that idea. Uh, okay, All right, so uh, what is, is our next hot topic? No topic here. I think it was one uh, – I put up two of them. We're going to go with this one. Uh, NASCAR is still in talks with the Nashville Fairgrounds. 2023 would be the earliest that they would even possibly be on the schedule. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts? I did see that posted the other day, um, and they are going to do the ceremony um, again, uh, the, the championship. They're going, or after the championship, they're going to do the celebration in Nashville again. So they're trying hard to go back to Nashville Fairgrounds. I think the SRX definitely helped with that. Um, but I'm excited. I want another short track. Um, I know they're going to be adding Auto Club too. Um, so there's going to be a bunch of short track racing next year, in the years to come, two years, um, and uh, and maybe North Wilkesboro too if they bring that back. I mean. I just I'm excited to see that they're trying hard to get that uh that track. I think that they should be there because they used to race there, um, way back in the day. So, um, I'm like Junior on this podcast. I'm all about bringing back the old stuff, all the retro stuff. Let's bring it back. Okay, uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. 
uh, that the earliest that they could do it because there's a lot that needs to happen, I think, uh, before we can go to National Fairgrounds. Uh, I think the fact that they had so many people there for the ARCA race um, that took place there really made a big difference. I think uh, they saw a lot of potential when that happened. So I do think that NASCAR uh, could end up there in 2023 if uh, they can work out all of the particulars uh, that everybody's looking for. So um, I, I think it would be a good thing to have them there. Nashville is kind of the hottest uh, place right now, and uh, a lot of people are, are uh, seeing this as kind of the hottest opportunity for NASCAR. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, Tommy, it's always great to have you on. You bring a lot of uh, optimism and hopeful things. Uh, we're going to have a race at North Wilkesboro. Dodge comes back in the sport as Jimmy Johnson as the owner-driver, I guess, is, is your thought process. <laughs> um, I do – I like the idea, and I wish it would happen, but it just doesn't seem to be. Now, I will say that I think that the door isn't as closed as it was. There's a reason they're still keeping those talks open as you both mentioned, the SRX uh, race there brought a huge fan base, and they have to say, okay, is it viable? Uh, are we going to go against what the community, at least the immediately surrounding community, is the one that was objecting to it? Uh, so they're kind of weighing those options. But if they truly wanted it to be there, it would be a done deal already because this has been talked about for, for two years, I think, at least. Um, so my my hope factor, the want want factor is there, uh, the wish factor is there, but the actual hope and reality of it, it's still waning. I like the fact that NASCAR has set all three NASCAR champion touring series championships there in Nashville. I mean they're they're bringing it on their end, everything they can do to sell it and show them that they're committed to it and want to be there, but it's got to be reciprocated. So. It's slowly maybe building hope, the fact that they haven't shut the door completely, but I don't see it as putting a whole lot on it either. Okay, you brought up some good points, Tommy. What are your thoughts? I'm still hopeful that they'll go back there. Um, I mean, they just announced that they're doing the uh, championship celebration there again. I think they're really going to push hard, and uh, I think they'll make it happen. I mean, it's it's the same guy that turned Bristol into dirt, and he's repaving Atlanta. So I mean, he, well, I don't know if he's involved in that, but either way, they they get they get it done. So I mean, I, I really am optimistic. I really do hope North Wilkesboro comes back, and that they get Nashville Fairgrounds. I mean, short track racing, Talladega and Daytona. That would be awesome and then sprinkle in your road courses and um all all the i guess you can call them cookie cutters but either way um it would be awesome to to have more short tracks okay i i kind of fall in the middle here i can see both sides of uh the equation but i tend to lean a little bit more to tommy on this i'm i'm kind of on the more hopeful side as well uh, and, and the reason I have that hope is NASCAR's working very, very hard to make this happen. You're right, Jay. They're bringing, they're doing their part to let them know how excited they are. If, if 
if the community does not go along with this and it doesn't happen, I think it's going to be a huge loss for them. Uh, Nashville is one of the hottest places right now, and uh, that's the reason NASCAR is pushing as hard as they are. Uh, but the community, for whatever reason, they're pushing back a little bit. And uh, I think it would be a huge loss for them if they, they continue to do that. Somewhere along the line, somebody's going to realize just what they're going to lose uh, if they don't uh, work this out. So, Jay, what are your final thoughts on this? Well, I was going to try and do a little bit of quick research. Uh, Tommy mentioned it. Uh, I'm not sure if the uh, – is part of that. I know Dover Enterprises uh, was one of them. I'm, maybe I'm thinking Memphis. Does does SMI have an interest in that, uh, the fairgrounds? Well, Marcus uh, Smith is part of uh, Speedway Motorsports, yeah. Right. So, okay. yeah, they, he's the one who's in conversations with them. And, and, and Tommy's right there. The, the Smith family certainly has been known to within a community as well. And I don't want to get into anything specific, but uh, they've done a lot in Charlotte that was kind of objected to as well. And they have a way mm-hmm. of convincing or changing people's minds, uh, you know, or doing it anyway. So uh, we'll have to wait and see if anybody can get it done. That is a group of family uh, that certainly can. Yes. Uh, you mentioned you yeah. mentioned putting dirt on Bristol, things like that. They definitely will take that chance and put it out there. So, like I said, it's not that that I don't see it happening at all. Uh, my my level of, of feeling on it though isn't quite as high as yours and Tommy, but it's there. Like I said, the door wasn't closed. They got the extension. They are still talking, which is always a good thing. Okay, it definitely is. And you're right. If anybody can make it happen, it's going to be the Smith family. Okay, Tommy, do you have another topic? I did see one earlier today on Twitter where Haley Deegan said that um, she was looking at part-time in the Xfinity for next year, hoping for that, and being full-time in the truck series still. I don't know if you all saw that, but I did see that on Twitter. Okay, so Jay, you talked about uh, Haley Deegan coming part time to the Xfinity Series, full time in the trucks. I hadn't seen the, the actual article or uh, feed on it, but I think it makes sense. Uh, we've seen this, and this is a, a how do I say it? Um, they're they are taking their time with her as they've moved her up. We've seen that. We've seen it in the past where a sponsor pushes a driver higher and harder than, than they need to be uh, in the past. And I, it happens to be another, in my opinion, another female, Danica Patrick, I think went cup series racing a little too early. So if she's committed and does another full-time in trucks and then the part-time in the Xfinity series, I think would be a great progression to get that little bit of her feet wet and change, but still keep the consistency one more year in the truck series, then evaluate of, of moving forward. Um, to just uh, after after one year in the trucks, jumping into the Xfinity Series because that's where a sponsor. And I'm not saying that's the case in this case, but I think we can be realistic. There's a there is a pattern set with that of sponsors 
really wanting to be in a particular series and being behind a driver and putting them there before they're ready. So um, I think that would be a good natural progression is to get some limited starts uh, in the Xfinity series while still doing full-time in the trucks yet one more year. Yeah, I, I agree 110%. Uh, this came from Adam Stern, if you're wondering where this tweet was. Haley Deegan says she hopes to make her NASCAR Xfinity Series debut next year in a few races on top of running full-time again in the Campaign World Truck Series. Uh, so, yeah, I I agree. I, we've seen too many drivers move up too quickly and stall. So I like... Uh, that she is uh, going to race full time again in the in the truck series. I think running for David Gilliland Racing has been really good for her. Uh, I think she needed. Uh, they pretty much told her when she came in that this was a learning year for her. That she wasn't there to win races. She was there to learn how to run trucks. So she has been doing that. Uh, she's not been out there. Uh, making enemies, uh, she's been out there uh, observing and following in people's tracks and doing her part to learn uh, this season. I look for her to really run hard next season, uh, and I think it's good for her to be in the truck series for that second season uh, full-time. And uh, I think we're going to see her contending a lot more next season in the truck series. So, uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm glad to see her running a few races in the Xfinity Series as well because I think that that will give her an opportunity uh, to make that transition when the time comes. Uh, but it also gives her a chance to see uh, if maybe the a few times we see that the Xfinity Series suits a particular driver a little bit better than the Truck Series. Uh, so it also gives her that chance to kind of check that out as well. But uh, I think she's been committed to learning this year and using this as a learning year in the truck series. And I think she wants to come back and contend hard uh, for a championship next year. So I think it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? Uh, I'm also glad that she wants to do part-time next year in the Xfinity Series and um, full-time again in the trucks. Um, That shows me. And she also said something about uh, possibly going back to SRX next year. Uh, I mean, I I feel like Adam Stern was the one that posted it. She also talked about sponsorship as well, I believe. But um, Mm -hmm. I remember when, Kelly, I, I remember I saw on Dale Jr.'s podcast when he was talking about Kelly Earnhardt and Danica Patrick, he said that they brought her up too early and that she actually wanted Haley Deegan to stay, like, to develop, like, go through ARCA, go through trucks, go through the Xfinity Series, and then go Cup, like, actually take your time and all that stuff. So I'm mm-hmm. glad to see that she wants to do that because um, it would be cool to see her be successful and actually win some races because Danica wasn't able to do that. And none of the, the women have done that yet. I feel like Natalie Decker came in like second or third at Daytona in the trucks. So she was close. Um, and Danica was close sometimes too, I feel like. But um, she, you know, we all know how that went. She just 
didn't end up doing that good. So I want to see Haley do good. So I'm excited to see that she wants to do that. Okay, Jay. Well, and I think the key factor, as you've said, in the truck series, we've seen a couple of races that fit her style or have really good runs, especially when it came to dirt. We saw in the SRX, she went toe-to-toe with Tony Stewart. So I think she is getting her, her feet comfortable underneath her. And as we see more of that in the truck series, to be consistent and run for the championship, I mean, truly run at the championship next year in another full-time ride, and then do that in the Xfinity series. Get used to that car. Get used to some of the maybe different tracks they don't run on, or depending, pick tracks she is better at to build the confidence uh, side of it. Uh, So, you know, there's many different ways it could be played out. But I I really do like the, the progression, and we've seen that pretty solidly with her of, that step progression and moving forward at the right time. Yeah. And I I just want to bring up another side to this and and something to think about and get your thoughts on. Um, You know, it wasn't that long ago we saw her win uh, some races in the ARCA series, uh, both in the West and I don't know. I can't remember if she won Arkham and Arts or not, but I know in some of the wins that we've seen her get, they've been kind of controversial because uh, she did a bump and run, or a bump and run, uh, to uh, in order to win that race. Uh, somebody else, it was at somebody else's expense, uh, and a lot of people didn't take to that very well uh, when she did it. Uh, and I'm just wondering if by taking this time. Uh, not only is it helping her develop as a driver so she can go out there and actually race for that win, but it's helping to rehabilitate, if you will, the image that she kind of put together for herself in the Arkham Menard series uh, as a driver that uh, wasn't able to win unless she did a bump and run. So what's your thought about that, Tommy? I was just thinking, um, Riley Herbst hasn't been named back for Stuart Haas yet in the Xfinity uh, series. Mm-hmm. So maybe she could do part-time in that, or maybe they do a second car part-time. Also, Austin Sendrick's not in the 22. Um, so that's another Ford that she could hop into in the Xfinity series. Um, mm-hmm. Brad Kozlowski said that he wanted to bring back the truck or the Xfinity series for Roush. Um, I don't, I mean, you know, to be determined on when that will happen, but that's another Ford option if that happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just excited to see that she wants to continue to do full-time in the trucks because um, she did have some good finishes this year, like in the top 15, top 10. But um, I've also seen her uh, wreck quite a bit this year. And when you were talking about the bump and run, she did move Paul Tracy out of the way at a slinger in the SRX series. Um, <laughs> oh, she, she, she wrecked him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I just want to see her do good. So I'm excited to see that she wants to develop and not rush her way through because I'm sure she could get the sponsorship and she could just jump right up to the top like Danica did. But um, she actually seems like she wants to, to win and um, – well, not that Danica didn't want to win, but she seems more uh, more into developing herself than Danica was, I guess. 
I, I just hope she doesn't continue on the bump and run way of winning. I want her to win uh, using her skill and not that, that means of winning. <laughs> okay. Tacky so, is Jay, did you have any... I'm sorry, Tommy, what did you say? Speaking of, like, the bump and run, Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim, all those guys move people out of the way, too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Not that I like it, but they say that that's the way Ty Gibbs is winning as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, too, if she kind of tones it down. So it makes that announcement uh, tomorrow even more interesting. Okay, um, Jay, do the, you have another hot topic or any other comments you want to make? Yeah, on this one, when you talk talk about Haley Deegan, one thing that I think fans tend to forget because he's a favorite, Chase Elliott had his situation when he was in the truck series. Of That's how he got, I believe it was his first truck series win. I can, I'm not 100% sure on that. But he had a situation up at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park where he dumped the driver to win. So that's mm-hmm. it's I don't want to say a progression every driver goes through, but we have seen it from several. The big difference I think is when you're in a position to win, win going what's that? If every win is a bump and run, it's a little bit different than if one win is a bump and run. Right, right, okay, and continuing on that, as you develop, once you have the the skill, better skill, if you will, or a better car to be able to do it without, you see that. Now, in the case of Ty Gibbs, and there again, it's tough to say, I can't say every win has involved that for him, but there have been some, and we also, we've mm-hmm. talked about, we know the talk about the generational difference these drivers that don't necessarily have to work on their own cars don't own their own cars or have you know are that into it as far as that car aspect don't have exactly don't have that same respect that drivers we've seen in the past that then had to work on their car or pay for it if they were an owner driver uh you know when it comes to a local track so i think that we have seen that and I think that that concern, I know you were one of them that had that, Sharon. We saw it in the Arca Menard series, even when she was running top five. If she had a fifth-place car, she accepted that and didn't push uh, over the limit and bumping and trying to get more out of it. So I think we have seen that de- development from her. Oh, okay. What about a new hot topic? Well, this one uh, I know Mike would have certainly had to say, had something to say, and uh, trying to find it back now of who posted it, but apparently we can expect a announcement from NASCAR within the, a short time frame of that they're going to move the car numbers back. And let me see if I can find the source for it. Uh, let's see. Then again, it goes to Adam Stern says a review with teams of the potential number switches in the final stages and barring a late change, it's likely that the decal will be moved forward specifically starting next season per sources. An announcement could come as early as with, or it could come within weeks. Okay. So it looks like they found a kind of happy medium there, Tommy. What do you think? Because they show some pictures of it. 
So they did the all-star race where they put the numbers back by the back right and back left tire, but now they're going to put it in the right front and the and the right left. Um, so I'm just confused why they're they were saying they weren't going to change it, then they were going to move it back. Now they're going to move it forward. Why did they do an all-star race where they put it in the back if that wasn't how they were going to do it? But, I mean, either way, um, I don't really care where the number is. I just want to watch racing. So, um, as long as it doesn't affect the spotter's ability, so that way there's wrecking going on or causing an issue, um, I don't really care where they put them. But I, I just kind of wish they'd make up their mind. I think they're fine where they're at. At the Bristol Dirt or the Bristol race where they put them on the back, it didn't look that bad. Um, so I'm sure it doesn't look that bad in the the front either. But I don't know. Just I guess just make a decision. Yeah, I, I... When I look at the picture, I think it allows them to have two different sponsors. Uh, in the case of the number nine car that they picture here, they've got auto parts or Napa auto parts on the back rear corner panel. They've got Unifirst on the on front of the number. So I, I think that what happened is they came up with the idea of putting it on that the number on the rear corner panel. Uh, they tried it at Bristol Motor Speedway on the dirt and decided that they didn't really like it there. Uh, there was a, They probably got a lot of feedback, maybe from the spotters, I don't know who, but they got some feedback. and Or somebody came up with this idea of putting it in front of the wheel well and uh, giving them a chance to put two different sponsors by putting it on the back wheel well. Uh, they were making room for one additional sponsor. So uh, I, I think they came up with a good happy medium. I'm like you, Tommy. I don't really care where they put the number as long as I can see it. Um, and, uh, you know, and the, and the driver's race. Uh, they're doing this to, to accommodate more sponsors. Uh, and I think that's what the big deal is about. And I think they came up with a happy medium when I look at the photographs that they have here on Twitter from Adam Stern. So uh, what are your thoughts, Jay? Well, and I guess I hadn't realized that maybe Tommy hadn't been on one of the shows where we've discussed this. Uh, he's kind of in our group, if you will. How does that matter who wins the race or who's the fastest or the excitement of the race? It really doesn't. Right. Now, I understand sponsors have a, have an input on that, and, and NASCAR is trying to work with them. Uh, you mentioned spotters. I think hopefully spotters have a, a role in this and, and a voice in it, as you mentioned. Uh, of I don't know if they more so use the top one on the car. You know, on your bigger tracks, you almost have to would be able to use the side one uh, more than the top one, depending on where the spotters are situated. So it is very vital, I'm sure, for the spotters. So hopefully they have a voice in that. You mentioned it's kind of a happy medium right now where you can get two sponsors and not totally shrink the car number. Um, so if that's what works for everybody, go ahead. To me, I'm still about who's getting to the checkered flag first. So that, that where that number is on the car <laughs> it has no effect on that. Unless a team figures out how to do it aerodynamically, which some of these engineers, maybe they will. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Okay, Tommy. Yeah, like I said, it just 
it didn't look bad when it was in the back at that Bristol All-Star race last year. I, I, it's fine where it's set now. If they want to move it forward, I'm sure it'll look fine. Um, I don't – it just doesn't matter to me. I just wish they'd make up their mind. Maybe do a fan vote or something on Twitter, like do A, B, and C, front, <laughs> where it is currently, um, back, and let let the fans decide. Well, I think the fans have already made a lot of comments on it. I know Mike was quite vocal uh, that he was not in favor of it. Uh, maybe this is something that he could live with, uh, this uh, this newer version uh, where they've got the number on the side of the wheel well. Uh, I don't know, but I'm like you. I don't really care where it's at. I want him to make a decision. I don't, I, I don't think we need a fan vote. Uh, I think if the spotters and the drivers and everybody involved in the sport uh, is okay with it, then I'm okay with it because – I'm like Jay. I, I care more about who gets across the finish line first and uh, how the races run. So, Jay, you get the final word here. First, first penalty of the NASA 2022 NASCAR season is a, is they put a thicker number on the side of the car, which gave them aerodynamic drag and, and wins the race. That, then I have an issue with where it is or how it is. So, other than that, yeah, it really doesn't matter to me. Uh, you know, I understand the discussion based on sponsors and everything else. They can work it out. I'm not opposed to it. Like you said, uh, Mike is one that was very adamant against it. And I'd have to do some research because it was probably two years ago when they did have the, I think it was on Twitter, uh, vote about it. And I was surprised how many fans were that adamant about it, of talking about the heritage. And I understand especially when they were talking about putting it up on the on the quarter panel that then they said they're going to the IMSA style and other series and this was NASCAR's style and brand so they shouldn't change it uh I understand wanting to keep things the same but it's also evolution you know and when it comes to sponsors especially that's what keeps us going which is what helps cars yep. get to the finish line first and fastest so uh if 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 that you know, I got I got to kind of revise my statement. I want to see the fastest car get to the checkered line. Somebody paying money is what helps that. And if they want that number in that position, then I guess I have to kind of be in favor of it a little bit anyway. Okay. Okay, we're coming up uh, again to the top of the hour. So it's uh, time for us to go, go into our roundtable. Uh, and, Tommy, we'll start with you for the roundtable round here. Um, at Cincinnati5Fan on Twitter um, or Tommy um, underscore C24. Um, you can see me tweet some of my opinions every now and then. Um, as Mike says on here, my always right opinion. <laughs> um, and also I have an article that I typed up here recently, and I actually need to make an edit to it since Ross Chastain's in the one car now, so I'll update and I'll get that over to you. Okay, that sounds good. And uh, I'm hoping that this week or within the next week I can get the uh, two articles out, one from you and one from uh, uh, Mike uh, out on fanforacing.com as well. So thank you for your patience, Tommy. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. Um, Do you have something else there, Tommy? 
Oh, that was it. Uh, just... All right. You can uh, you can follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And what I thought was going to be a semi-relaxed weekend got a little bit busier as I've been tabbed to work tomorrow night at the baddest bullring in the south right here at Columbus Speedway. Uh, five minutes from the house, and then I'll ch- Saturday I'll take the trip to Jackson for the USCS World Outlaw Sprint Cars at your Capital City Raceway. So another busy, busy weekend planned for me. Okay. Uh, I've been there and doing that, <laughs> so I, I certainly understand busy. Uh, yeah, I am a fan for racing site on Twitter, fan for racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our website, fanforracing.com, where you can see some of these articles uh, to be coming out here in the next week. Uh, A big shout-out to our Fan for Racing crew, Tommy and Jay, for being here tonight. Uh, As always, you guys always make it a blast here on Fan for Racing Radio, Uh, and we have fun talking about NASCAR racing and uh, ARCA racing, so thank you for that. And also a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in to hear what we have to say. Uh, we have fun doing this. We hope you have fun listening to what we have to say. And uh, we'll be back on Monday night this week uh, after the Olympic break uh, with them back at racing. Uh, Sal and I will have some races to review on Monday night, so we will be back on the air uh, this Monday night, August the 9th, and Jay and I will be right back here on Thursday night for the preview show. So, uh, actually, it might not be Jay for this uh, next show. We may have somebody else uh, sitting in your seat. So, we'll keep you posted on that. So, uh, definitely look forward to the weekend of racing. I'm glad to have uh, NASCAR's top three back on the track, and I'm sure a lot of you are too. So uh, let's enjoy the racing, and we'll see you back here next week. Uh, Well, let's call that a wrap, guys. All right. Good night. Good night, everybody. See you on the other side.